Good morning, everyone. Pathetic. Good morning, everyone. All right, very good. Thank you very much. I do like interaction, and I I hope I'm not too loud, uh, but this is one way to keep you awake during my sermon. Um, It's interesting. We've gone through a sermon series here, Finding Your Way Back to God, and today we're going to talk about the secret to overcoming anxiety. So it's something that each one of us struggles with at some point in time of our lives. It's worrying, anxiety. So let me just see a raise of hand if you've ever worried about something before in your life. Okay, if you're not raising your hand, you're probably lying, and I'm worried for you. Um, Not really, but um, yeah, each one of us worry at some point in our lives. Each one of us have concerns. So one thing is, I do safety talks every morning at uh, um, Slumberger, so I try to make it interactive. Because most of the things I talk about, people really don't want to listen to. You know, I'm preaching, be safe, be safe, be safe. And most people just kind of just sit there and look at me. And uh, sort of like church sometimes. And so what I, want, what I want to say, I want to ask you a question. So this is an interactive point at this moment, okay? So once I start preaching, don't interact with me anymore. Uh, so otherwise, you will really throw me off. So let me ask you a question. What is your number one worry in life? And be honest. Give me, give me some answers. Kids. Amen. Oh, my goodness. What else? Money. Very good. Future. Health. Oh, my goodness. Yes, for sure. All right, that's four. So we don't really worry, do we? We're doing good. Anything else? School. That's, you're, you graduated. Um, <laughs> I don't know why you're worried about it, bud. No, I'm just, I'm just joking, sort of. All right, so they're, they're, those are some of the things that we worry about in life. And here's the interesting thing is they asked 2,000 people what they worry about the most. And this is the number ninth one. Um, the first one is paying the rent or the mortgage. Hey, sometimes it's stressful paying rent or the mortgage. Worried about my physique. How many of you guys are really worried about your physique? All right. <laughs> I'll tell you, easiest way to lose weight, go have your appendix taken out. They don't feed you. You lose eight pounds in one week. It's good. Uh, wrinkles or aging, appearance. People are now more concerned now. 2,000 people surveyed, or they're worried about their wrinkles or their aging. Uh, it is what it is. I'm not worried about that. Uh, job security. How many of us are worried about our job security, our financial credit card debt, my diet? Who, are, who worries about the diets? Yeah, there's some of us, yeah. Exactly. Low energy level. I don't understand that one. And I will tell you, it's been three and a half weeks since I've had Red Bull or any energy drink at all. So I'm like really mellow now. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay, if people are clapping, you guys drink coffee. Same thing as energy drinks. All right, maybe a little different. All right, worried about my savings or financial future. And the number one reason why people are worried about is getting old in general. Isn't that interesting? I think it's very interesting how in life today, we worry about a lot of things that we have no control over whatsoever. Don't get me wrong. There are things that we have control over. There are things that we, we do have a grasp over, our diet, our security, or our finances to a degree, so on and so forth. But it's interesting that most of us don't have a lot of control over the things that we really worry about. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's interesting. Amazon keeps trackers of tracks of highlights when people eat, when in their eBooks, they, they mark sentences, and the most popular books that are highlighted are the Hunger Games, Harry Potter series, Pride and Prejudice, but it's also interesting if you have a Bible online, and okay, I'll tell you this, one thing I'm worried about today, I'm actually preaching for the iPad, 
This is like the first time I've ever done an electronic thing, not having my old Bible and my old sermon notes. So I'm a, I was a little concerned this morning. I was, a little, I was actually worried. I thought, crap. I shouldn't say crap in church. Um, <laughs> sorry. That's like my strongest le- word I use. It's, 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 if I offended you, see the senior pastor, uh, and uh, he'll take care of you. <laughs> He's, he is in here. Fred. Anyway, <laughs> there he is back there. Um, so anyway, so it's interesting that Amazon tracks and they highlight the Bible as well. And you would expect John 3.16 to be like one of the most uh, famous ones to be highlighted or Psalms 23 or the Lord's Prayer. But it was a less prominent scripture. It's a scripture we're going to be talking about today, which is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And remember, one thing I'd like to tell you when I preach don't just trust the words, of, the words I speak. Don't just trust the scriptures I'm speaking to you. Literally look it up in your Bible. Literally look it up in your, your iPad or your phone. Verify what I am saying is true to make sure you're being faithful to the word of God. Okay, I would never want to lead you astray, but I, almost every time I want to encourage you, just don't believe every single person who tells you that this scripture says this. Look it up for yourself. Okay? Don't be this, have this blind faith and accept anything that's being preached, but truly, truly seek out the Word of God and what the Word of God has to say. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says this. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as, as you live in Christ Jesus. And that was the most highlighted verse uh, that, that Google, um, it was a Google found that was being highlighted in people's e-Bibles. It's interesting as we find this way back to our God series, the most important discussion involves dealing with often prevalent and overwhelming problems of worrying. Each one of us worries, each one of us, and we can try to be spiritual and say, I'm just concerned. You know, I like to say that. I don't worry. I'm just concerned about things. There, there is no difference. There truly is no difference in the words that you justify. When you are being concerned, worried, that is what we are talking about today. The interesting thing is about the book of Philippians is when Paul wrote it when he was in jail. He was in house arrest. He wrote four letters. When he was in house arrest, I, I just I, I love Paul. Paul was one of the heroes of the faith because he, no matter what he's going through, whether famine, plentiful, shipwreck, being beat, being stoned, whatever, he is always wanting to pursue the gospel of Jesus Christ. The epistles referred to the four letters in the New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul during the years between 60 to 62 AD. This includes... So if you ever wanted a good scripture for your devotion life, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. You want to talk about some great devotions to read during your spiritual time, during your devotional life, read one of those books. There are about five or six chapters of book, and they're beautiful. They're, they're encouraging. But here's the thing I love about it, that Paul was in house arrest when he's writing this. Now, how many of you, truthfully, if you are in house arrest, if you are in jail, how many of you would be really wanting to write some scriptures out? Okay, I think I'm a kind of a spiritual guy. Most of the time I am, but man, I wouldn't want to be doing that. I'd be thinking, how am I going to get out of here? How am I going to get this little ankle bracelet off my ankle? How am I, how am I going to escape? Who friends are going to call to come bust me out of jail? Those are some of the things I would be thinking about because that's my flesh saying. But on Sunday morning, I, I like Paul, and I would say, I hopefully would be writing some scriptures too. It's interesting, the epistle Paul 
in his letters, has the most joyful letters when he writes the book of Philippians. When he is writing that book, you can see the joy of God coming out of him and telling people, don't worry. Don't be concerned about these things of this life today. And we're going to talk about four things. We're going to have the four secrets of how not to worry today. Because I tell you, my friends, most of us worry about trivial things. And I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not trying to sound harsh, but most of us worry about things that really have no eternal, eternal focus whatsoever. Someone said earlier, when I asked the question, what do you worry about? Children. I will tell you one of my biggest concerns, my biggest worry, is my children's salvation. I want to make sure that my children are grounded in the faith and that I know that if they die, that they have that relationship with Christ, that they are going to be in heaven for the rest of their lives. That's what I struggle with. And when, when Lori and I pray, we pray about salvation. We pray about those types of things. Because when you read the book of Philippians and Ephesians and Philemon, you see that Paul is continually trying to push that gospel, advance that gospel for Jesus' sake, that people will be saved. When Paul was in custody, he wrote to a group of people, or a group of people vowed to kill him. And this is how he ended up in jail. When he was in Rome, he learned this. He took us to Caesarea, and then he declared he wanted to go to Rome to see, to be able to declare his case in front of the emperor. This is, where, this is how Paul got into jail. I want to ask you a question. Is, and today, in our society today, there's at some point the persecution is going to come to the, against the church. At some point, we are going to see persecution in the church today. Whether I, I know it's going to be in my lifetime. I know it will be in my children's lifetime. We are going to lose our right as Christians at some point and sometime, as we already know we already are at this present moment. But I want to ask you the question, are you willing to go to jail for Christ? If, we, if it was illegal to come to church today, would you be willing to go to church? Completely out of my notes, completely sidelined. But I know as I, was, as I did devotion this morning and talking about the churches today, that it, it, they are just under such severe persecution that they even go to church. They can be taken and captive, in captivity and then tortured and so on and so forth. I know at some point in our lives when we see that what we worry about really what is concerning us. Paul wanted to alert these early Christians that persecution was coming their way. So he wanted to help them and see that they could overcome it. This was 2,000 years ago. Paul was talking about persecution, and now we are still facing it today, and the world is still facing persecution today as well. So let's talk about the four steps to overcoming worrying, because this is the four points I like. So the first point is, is choose not to worry. Oh, that sounds simple, doesn't it? Oh, that's a piece of cake. Just don't worry. Just, just shake it off. In the words of Taylor Swift, um, I have teenagers. That's, um, I don't know why that just popped in my head, but shake it off. Uh, but choose not to worry, all right? And I know that's extremely simplistic to say. Just don't worry about it. Just, just go on about your business. But we are humans, and you know one of the reasons why we worry so much is because we want to be in control, we really want to be in control of our life and our situation of what's going on. But th- let me ask you a question. How often are we truly in control of our lives? All the time, I'm always going to have a boss that someone's going to tell me something to do. I'm married. No, I'm not going there. I do not know what you people are thinking. I am married, so my, we are always... Um, 
Word. <laughs> Who, who's got a Red Bull? I need a Red Bull. No, but Lori and I, we are always, she, she doesn't boss me around, but we are, sometimes, but uh, we are, we, we, we're united. We're, yeah, we're, we, we submit to one another. You should, if you think my sermons are bad, wait till I get home. I really hear it when I get home uh, from my wife, not, not most of the time. But it's interesting that when we do these things, we really think that we, we are in control, but we always have a boss. We always have someone telling us what to do. We always have the government sharing with us what we should do and how we should pay our taxes and so on and so forth. So one of the reasons why we worry so much is because we choose to worry. So the first point is don't worry. In Matthew, it says this. Okay, well, let me, let me back up just a little. Worrying is a sin. And that's something that we don't like to think about. But because it's a sin, it's this core, worrying is not trusting God. Truly, worrying, when we worry about things, we're not trusting in God and what he has to say to each one of us. It's like saying, God, we can take care of our situation. It's like saying, my problems are too, are too big for God. It's saying that God can't provide what I need today, so I'm going to take care of it myself. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 says, six says this. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Jesus is telling us that if God can meet the standards and the needs of the birds and they don't even have barns to store the foods, he's going to take care of every need that we have. And I want to tell you, my friends, it's, we're talking about needs as well. We're not just talking about wants. We have a lot of wants, don't we? Oh, my goodness, we have a lot of wants. We have a, but the needs that we have are very, very small compared to the wants that we have. But it's interesting, as we continue on in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, 32, he gets a little more forceful as he says this. So don't worry about these things saying, what shall we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all you need. Unbelievers, pagans, idol worshippers, people who don't believe in God. God is saying these consume the life of these people, not the life of people who have accepted and trusted in Jesus Christ. There's a huge difference. So we have the world's desires, what they need and what they are worried about. And then we have Christians who have committed their lives over to Jesus Christ and their needs are completely different. Their idea of what important in life is completely different from the unbeliever. Let me ask you a question because I love unbelievers. I call them pre-Christians. That's why I call them because they're eventually they're going to hear the word of God enough. They're going to finally receive the word of God and they're going to accept the word of God and become tra- world changers. So I call, well, Lori and I, we call them pre-Christian people. So we all know pre-Christian people, don't, don't we? If you don't, you need to get out, get out a little more, okay? Just go to the supermarket. Drive down Dewar. You will find unchristian people driving in our town. Uh, it, it's interesting. But as we, li- as we see this, these are the types of people that have the worries in life. Christians choose to worry or we choose not to worry. Once again, it's your choice. And choices are habits in life. So I want you to see that what worrying does, this is interesting as, as we read this, worrying is a victimizer of people. Worry makes people as victims. Here's the negative effect of worrying. Weakens your immune system, making you more likely to have colds or other infections. Worrying gives you high blood pressure. It upsets your stomach, ulcer, and acid reflux. It gives you anxiety issues. 
and increase your, your heart, your rapid heartbeat and health, uh, health issues. Panic attacks. Increases your blood sugar levels. Increase your bowel problems. Pay, backache, tension headaches or migraines. Sleep disorders. Distance from God or pull away from God. Stop allowing worry and rule your life and pull away from worry and pull towards God. Find your way back to God by defeating the ugly unproductivity of worrying in life today. So what's the easiest way? Don't worry. Piece of cake, right? Everyone can do that. Raise your hand if you can do it. Okay, we're going to repeat this with this verse. We're going to repeat this point one more time until we all get it. I'm just joking. All right. So the first point is choose not to worry. The second one is pray about it. I love this scripture that we're going to read here in a few moments, but here's some everyone habits has good ones or bad ones, don't we? Let me ask you the question. Do you have habits that annoy people? Yeah, we do. There are things that you do that just absolutely annoy you. If you do it with me, I will tell you because I feel I should be truthful with you. All right. Here's some bad habits. Focusing on yourself. Talking too loud. I don't think that's a bad habit. Um, being too sarcastic. What's up with that? That's silly. Fake laughing. That's a bad habit. Do any of you guys fake laugh? You, <laughs> oh, some of that was horrible. Absolutely hurt my feelings. Being late. Addicted to your phone. Eating too much. Speaking before you think. Not putting your clothes in the hamper, but just right beside it. That's a personal one. And then drinking too many energy drinks or too much coffee. Bad habits. And some of those are very mind personal ones. I'm trying to break certain issues, certain habits that I have that I do on a daily basis. There are certain habits I'm probably not going to break. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, through, verse 6 says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So my friends, I want to tell you, we have a choice not to worry, but then when we have situations in our lives, what we can do is we can pray about it. And this is really a simplistic sermon, isn't it? I mean, this is not deep theological issues, but the problem is, is bringing our habits, our bad habits or mediocre habits, and making them into spiritual or good habits, and making sure we are in line and in tone with our Heavenly Father. So this is what we need to do. God couldn't be more clear, helpful when he, in this verse. He says, take out the bad habits of worry and replace them with good ones. Do you know why what worry really is? Worrying is telling others what you need instead of telling God. And Facebook is famous for that, isn't it? I, I, I don't understand Facebook altogether. Okay, first of all, I don't understand. I don't need to see what you're eating for breakfast, lunch, and supper every day. I, amen. I, I don't need to see that. I, I don't... If you do that, that's fine. I'm not trying to, it's weird. <laughs> it's just weird. And if you do it, I'm sorry, but we can talk later about the etiquetteness of Facebook because I have a class on that. Uh, all the don'ts for Michael Longfellow. Uh, but it's just, I, I don't need to know what you're eating. I don't need to know what you're, I don't need to know every single thing in life. But the thing is, a lot of times when we are worrying, we want to let other people know about our concerns we want to let other people know what's happening in our lives so we have someone else to circle the bandwagon around us so someone's going to feel sorry for us or someone's going to worry with us. That's really what it comes down to. Instead, what should we do? Go, oh, who said pray? Raise your hand. Awesome. Pray. It's like a safety meeting when someone responds. <laughs> you know, this is what we should do. We should pray. 
So instead of telling the whole world what's going on in my life and my worries and my concerns, well, I should go to my Heavenly Father and say, God, this is my issue. This is my concern. And I remind God of his promises. God, you say in Philippians that you're going to supply every need. You say in Matthew, you're going to supply every need that I have, all my food, everything I desire, not my desires, but everything I need. And you're going to take care of me even more than the birds and the trees and everything else in life. God, even though he already knows what you need, he wants you to express it. He wants that communion, that relationship with you. A wise person once said, oh, prayer is telling God what you need instead of telling everyone else. A wise person once said, let worry be a trigger to put you on your knees. When you start to worry, you should drop to your knees. I, I will t- let me just get on this for one second. It's not in my notes. This is a freebie too. There's lots of free ones here today. I, I, think, I think we have lost, and I'm not saying you have to get on your knees to pray. I, I'm not saying that. But I'm thinking sometimes we have lost the adoration and the respect and the holiness before God Almighty. That there are times in our lives I think we should be on our knees. I think we should be on our knees for the unsaved people of Rock Springs and Green River and our surrounding areas. I think we should be on our knees beseeching God to bring that Holy Spirit revival back to America that we will see our country changed. I truly think that we as a church need to go into the center of a prayer life and that we don't come out of our prayer rooms until God has answered our prayers. Philippians, or Paul also says, do everything continually praying without ceasing. So search out God. Rather than share it on Facebook, rather than share it on Instagram or whatever else we got out there, and there are so many different apps, share with what was on your mind with God. I've heard many people say, I just worry about everything. Do you know that what you are actually saying that you don't actually trust God? When we worry about things, we are taking control out of God's hands and making sure we are in control of the situation. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in control of the situation, normally it ends in bad, a bad situation. Even though I think I'm really smart and I think I'm really spiritual and I think I have all the answers and I want to be in control. And that, that let me tell you, that that covers all 95% of us in this room today, that we think we can do a better job than God. But God says, just give me control. Search me out. Train your mind on the right stuff, and God will transform you from a warrior to a prayer. Stop the ugly habits and start the beautiful habit of praying. I, I want to tell you that there are, um, we're, we're, there is a, one of my churches back in Kansas I used to work at Walmart early in our ministry, um, where I probably been married maybe one or two years, and I was I was working at Walmart. And during this time of Walmart, uh, I had people come up in a small town, nine thousand, so you knew everyone. Everyone knew everyone's business, and you just you knew what was going on in town. And this, and I am not. I don't always think before I speak. That's one of my bad habits. I just basically tell you what I what I think of the situation or or, or whatever. And this lady comes up to me. She says, hey, I hear you're going to be our new pastor. And I didn't know who this lady was, but I knew she was a very grouchy lady. Um, just very, very, her, her, her personality was very, very um, just ugly. And she, she said, hey, I'm, you're going to be our new pastor. And I was very, very surprised. And I, I said, you go to church? <laughs> and I was just, 
Yeah, that was, I was young. I was immature. I've grown. I'm much more spiritual now. Not really. Uh, but, but I was very, very um, surprised that this woman went to church. I said, really? I, I said, I, I, I didn't know you go to church. I said, that's, that's exciting. And I gave one of those fake laughs. <laughs> you know, I was trying to cover my tracks and go do my business. Well, here's the funny thing is, the next Sunday I come in. They had already interviewed us. We come in, and, and she's the greeter. And I'm thinking, oh, how do you handle that situation? And I'm truthful. I mean, the scripture says be truthful, right? Uh, in love. So I shake her hand. And she said, yeah, I'm, I'm your greeter. I do this like four or five times of the month. And I'm thinking, really? I just never would have guessed. And um, so I, I learned at that point. So I really started trying to encourage her to be a happy person, to be a holy person, to be not so mean and grouchy. Because I will tell you, do you realize the things that we do here in church really can drive people away or can really bring people into the kingdom of God just by our responses? And that's why I really try to think before I speak now, and I'm not always good about it. But I want you to understand that just those habits that we have in life are the habits that are going to show people whether we truly love God or whether we are really thinking about ourselves. And I really want to encourage you on that aspect. So the third point is verbalize your needs. So the first point was choose not, choose not to worry. Second one, pray about it. Third, verbalize your needs. God wants you to come to him with everything and anything that is bothering you. Nothing is off limits with God. That's the beautiful thing. He already knows what's going on. He already knows what's taking place in your life. He just wants you to verbalize to him and communicate with him what's going on in your life and tell him your needs. Tell him what is going on, whether it's psychological, whether it's physical, whatever it is, there is no boundaries with God. Do you realize that God knows it all anyway? Do you know I think majority of the people who are married today have secrets from their spouses? Do you, do you, I think a lot of people have secrets. And do you know that is the secret, that is the power that sin has, is the secretiveness? Is that when it's unknown, sin has a huge amount of power upon you. But when that sin is revealed, when that sin is brought into the light, that sin has no power over you whatsoever. And the same thing with God, that when we have a need, we need to let God, we need to expose that need to God and remind him what the word of God has to say to our lives and where we are in life. The scripture says Proverbs, you have to remember Proverbs is a generality of promises. It's not guaranteed. But you teach your child in the way of the Lord and they will grow up and they will, they will not depart from it, correct? That's a generality. But I will remind God that all the time. That I remind him constantly, Lord, we are raising our children. We are wanting to see our children be good Christians of the world, change makers. And I remind God that scripture all the time. And I want to remind us that it's what we need to do is communicate to God our needs, not our wants. How many of us want a million dollars? Okay, we got two people, three. Thank goodness. We will build a new church with us three people. All right. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure all of us think we, when that jackpot goes to, I don't know what, I don't even watch it, $465 million or is that a good number? Um, I could take it. But I don't play the lottery. I don't do that kind of stuff um, just because I, I, I just don't. Um, how many of us want things in life that have no eternal purposes whatsoever? We, we want a, a new truck. 
We don't want a new camper. We want a new gun. We want, a, we want whatever we want. And don't get me wrong, those things are fun in life. And I'm not saying we can't have those things. But a lot of times when we get into situations, we get those things and then we worry about it. We worry how we're going to pay for it. We worry how we're going to spend time with it. We worry about all these different things that now is taking our time away from serving God and serving what God wants us to do to do these material things. Don't get me wrong. I love camping. I love hunting. I love those types of things. Don't get me wrong. I love those things. But what we really need to do is tell God what we need. Think about it this way. One of our top qualities of a best friend is you can tell them anything good or bad, happy or sad. This is the one main reason why they are a best friend because your best friend knows you. They accept you for who you are and what you've done in life. And hopefully you are able to do that with your spouse. Hopefully you're able to get to that point in your life and your relationship that you can tell your spouse anything and everything and you are good. We have, a, we have a policy in my house with my wife. She can check my phone anytime she wants. She can look through my church, or not my church history. She can look through my, my browser history. She can look through the people I'm contacting. She can look at my appointments, so on and so forth, except if it's counseling, and that's a little different. But my, my life is an open book to my wife, and her life is an open book to me. And that's, that's trust right there. And let me tell you, my friends, that's how it is with God. He wants to trust you. He trusts you. I guess my question would be, do you trust God? Do we really, really trust God? Because trusting God means that we're not worried. Trusting God means we are being the spiritual Christians that we are supposed to be. And I say spiritual nowadays because we have to, I almost have to separate people that call themselves Christians and people that are Christians. When you have 82% of America claim that they are Christians, I have a problem with that number because the Christians I see are not changing the world like the way the church is supposed to change the world. I don't see New Testament, and I'm not trying to be judgmental. I just want to be different from the rest of the world because that's what God has called us to do. Remember that God is all-knowing, which means he already knows what you need, what's going on in your life, and he always shows up. In Psalms uh, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, we're about to read, David is crying out to God and asking for him to hear him. He tells God the truth about what is going on and asks God for help. Oh, Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry help for my help. My King and my God, for I pray to you, no one but you. I will tell you, my friends, during the difficult times of life, this is the time that we are supposed to search out for God. This is the time that we look out for God and we tell him our needs and our concerns. This is something that was kind of introduced to me just recently. As you know, most of you guys know I had my appendix ruptured. I had taken out two weeks ago. And one of my prayers has always been, I don't want to go to the hospital. There's no dignity in the hospital for people laying in that bed. There's just not. You got the gown and there's nothing else in the back. You know, and they want you to walk. They want you to grab your little pole and walk, do your rounds, and so on and so forth with everything hanging out. And I, I pray, I pray, Lord, please, I don't want to be exposed to nurses. That was my honest prayer. I was praying out, but I was so sore. I didn't care. I was on morphine, so that even helped bet more. Uh, but with that, I, at a point, I was telling my wife, I'm just, it's embarrassing to be in the hospital where there is no dignity and everything, everyone's just checking in on you and checking everywhere. And I, I, my honest prayer was, Lord, please let me have nurses that are nice and dignified and not going to make fun of me. That was my prayer. That was honestly my prayer. 
Okay, if you never, yeah, it's a, oh, one of those awe moments. Um, because I thought, I'm a modest guy. You know, I, I'm just, I'm modest. And I thought to myself how interesting it is when you are in good health a lot of your days and then you go down to the scenario where you're in bad health, God gives you a perspective on what it means sometimes not to be in good health all the time. And it gives you a little more compassion and a little more understanding of what people are going through sometimes on a daily basis. So I prayed this prayer, Lord, hear my prayers, pay attention to my growing, please. And this is a small thing I was asking for, that I would not embarrass myself during the hospital stay. And to me, it's interesting because when we truly cry out to God, God wants to hear what's on your heart. Some of the best conversations you can have is when someone opens up their heart to you and tells you what is going on in their life and the needs that they have. And that is the way you look at it with God, that God wants to hear what's taking place in your life. It's not a pity party. It's not just a party where you just kind of complain to God, but it's a party where you're really able to say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. Help me. God personally answers our phone calls immediately without delay from any place, anywhere, anytime. The Bible says draw near to God and God will draw near to us. Verbalize your need to him and trust him enough to tell him what's going on. So we're going to choose not to worry, pray about it. We're going to verbalize it, and then we're going to thank God for the wins. How many of you guys are thankful for the victories you have in life today? Raise your hand. If you don't, I'm going to pull your hand up for you. All right, we should be thankful for the victories we have in our life today. Let me tell you, we have a lot of battles against us, but we have more victories than we have battles because Jesus has already fought the battle for us and he's already won the battle for us as well. Most of us are living the, the fighting stage and not the victory stage. Okay, turn your Bible, uh, John 10.10. 10. It's not in the sermon notes. Okay, so turn your Bibles there, if you would. Um, I don't have internet access. Uh, can, can we? F- Thank you so much, you're awesome. Okay, John 10.10. 10. See who can get there the fastest on their electronic Bibles. Oh, Brandy's got it. All right, so this is one of my favorite, favorite scriptures. I know it doesn't truly go with my, my, my sermon, but it will. We got it? This is why you memorize the Word of God. All right, let me borrow your Bible. All right, John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief come only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So I want you to understand that very last section. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Okay, if you, if you look at it, there's a comma where the fullness of life is. That God has come to give us life comma, to the fullness of life. Most of us live on that comma, on that side, where we just live life with God. But God wants you to have the fullness of life each and every day. And the fullness of life comes through Christ fighting our battle and we living in the victory that has already been fought for us. Most of us live on this side because we are worried about what's going on in life today and the things that we don't have control over. 
We worry about our finances. We worry about our social security. We worry about all those things. I'll tell you my thing I, I, I used to worry about a lot. As, as a pastor, you don't have a lot of, you don't have a lot of uh, uh, retirement. And so I always joked around with Laura, I'm going to be 85 at Walmart saying hello. I'm going to be the door greeter. Because I'm always going to have to work. I'm always going to have to do something. But now I don't even worry about it. God's going to take care of me. If I'm at Walmart, hey, I'm going to be the happiest greeter I possibly can be. You know, you may not be able to understand me at 85, but I'll be able to greet you. But the interesting thing is, as we look at this, as we look at the scripture, most of us as Christians don't live to the fullness of God. Most of us live that idea that we have been defeated and we are defeated and we have not lived in victory. Does that make sense? So I challenge you to live in the fullness of God because when you understand when God looks at you, what he sees, he doesn't see Michael Longfellow He doesn't see the sins I committed last week or this morning or whenever it was, but he sees his son Jesus who is clothed on me. I am clothed with Jesus Christ. And when he sees me, he sees a perfect being. To me, my friends, that's amazing. Because when I look in the mirror, I don't see a perfect being. I see an older guy, lots more grace, a little more overweight, so on and so forth. I can tell you all my blemishes and make you feel sorry for me. But the thing is, when God looks at you, he sees his son. And that's how we should live our lives in the victory that we have through Christ Jesus. So as we continue on, um, the Apostle Paul is telling us to thank God for the wins. Let me ask you, are you a thankful person? If you say yes, would most of the people around you actually say, yes, you are a thankful person? Do you remember young telling your kids, say thank you? Mean it? I I remember that story all the time. My mom would say, make sure you say thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thanks. And then my mom said, Michael, mean it. And she would do that little thing that my kids say I do it all the time. You put your fingers together, you grit your teeth, and you say, mean it. That's how you do it. That's the fatherly tone or the Pat Longfellow tone that you receive in life. It's interesting, but that's, then you have to continue on. So the people around us usually are more accurate about what we think than what we are as well. If you want to ask, if you really want to see if you're a thankful person, ask your spouse. Ask your children. And if you want the truth, go ahead and ask them. I mean, because sometimes we just, if you ask me, oh, yeah, you're a great person. You're a thankful person. Because I spend 30, I spend two hours with you on Sunday mornings. I don't know you all that well. So when most people pray, they tend to spend the greatest majority of their time asking God for stuff rather than thanking him for what God has done. Notice the Apostle Paul tells us, thank God for all that he has done. And that is very convincing. Do not take time. We don't take time to thank God for what God has done for us. Here's, a, here's something else I think we all will find helpful. A person's circle of control shrinks when they worry more. In other words, when we worry and more and more stuff, life begins to feel more and more out of control. Worry focuses on the negative and the future stuff you can't control. A person's circle of control opens when you thank God. In other words, when we thank God for more and more stuff, life begins to feel more and more in control. Thankfulness focuses on the positive, the past stuff God did not, God is in control. All right, I will tell you, my friends, I'm not one of these positive type thinkers. Think 10 things positive in life and life will be good. I'm not, I'm not one of those fans. But I'm, I'm a realist that if I am thanking God for what he has done, my mindset's gonna be thankful for what God is doing and not the things that are out of control in my life. That's really what it comes down to. And so when we are able to thank God for the things that are going in our lives, it helps us. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about these things, excellent, we're in the praise of these things. Think about those things, not how many likes you have on Facebook. 
I will tell you, there are a lot of people, self-esteem is based upon how many likes they get on Facebooks or Instagram. It truly is. So to close this, the payoff, experience the peace that passes all understanding that you have found your way back to God. When you do these things, you will experience peace that passes understanding. I will tell you, I have visited many people who are dying of cancer or another element, element, and I've asked them because they are just joyful in God. They are joyful in their life, even though they're laying there in pain. And I ask them, what is their secret? And their secret is they're going to be thankful in all circumstances. In all situations, they're going to be thankful for what God has done for them. Because this pain is very temporal compared to eternity. I tell my friends, I, uh, there was one time, I, I'll tell you this, this beautiful story. There's this lady who was dying. And I was a hospice chaplain here in, in Sweetwater County. And, and when she would, at nighttime, she would just, she would just shake and she would moan. And she was in a lot of pain. And she was on the top of the morphine uh, chart that she costly do. During that time, the family asked me to come over and visit her. And, and so before she got to that state of unconsciousness, I would, I would go over and pray with her. We'd read scriptures together. And so when we got really bad at nighttime, she would, they'd call me out two or three in the morning. I'd go over. I would start reading scriptures to her. She would just be convulsing, basically just moving in agony and pain. And when I started reading the scriptures, she settled down. When I started praying with her, peace was brought over her life. Now, I tell you, friend, it's not what I did, but it's the word of God and being connected with our Heavenly Father and that capacity to bring peace that's beyond all understanding. My friends, when you are going through difficult times and hardships and, and the loss of a loved one or, or the, de- or the Ill elements of your life, and you're going through all these, these things, the only thing that can bring you peace is Christ Jesus. And you wonder, we ask the question, God, why? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? And very, in a very simplistic way, the scripture says, the comfort that we receive from God, we can pass that comfort on to other people. So whatever you are going through, whatever the situation you are handling right now through the grace of God, that comfort that you receive, God can be passed on to other people that is going through similar situations. So we can use the pain and the agony in our lives to glorify God and then bring comfort to other people. My friends, let's talk about not worrying. I have a goal in life. One of my goals in life is to help people recognize who Jesus is. I just want people to understand who God is through his son Jesus. And when we are able to do that, it doesn't matter the hardships we go through, knowing that eternity, salvation is for eternity. It's not temporal. You may be in a situation where you hate your job, you're getting along, you just hate life. But I will tell you, my friends, that where you are right now, God will help pull you out and bring you into a new creation. Don't worry. Shake it off. Bring it to God. Verbalize it. And be thankful for where you are. Do you realize most of the hardships we go through, eventually we look back and we say, we learned a lot. We struggled, but we learned a lot. Lord, I was talking about just the other day, when we were first married, my first church, I got paid $125 a week at church. Walmart, I got paid $238 every two weeks. 
Our, our, we were, I was like $1,000 a month. It was phenomenal. It was exciting because you know what? We had each other, we had God, and eventually we had children. And it's those times we learn so much about what it means to give to other people who are in need. So let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God Almighty, for who you are. Lord, I know it's easy to say not to worry, but Lord, I pray that for each person here today, Lord, as we worry, as we don't trust you, God, I pray, Heavenly Father, that we will tr start trusting you with everything we have, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Lord, I know there are things that are out of our control, out of our ability to even make a difference. But Lord, with you being at the helm, with you being in control of all things, God, I know that you are able to do mighty, mighty things. Lord, thank you for giving us the fullness of life. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the direction that we can be thankful and not um, ungrateful for what you have given. Lord, I pray, God, that you change our hearts. I pray, God, that you will just work in us, that we will truly be thankful for what you've given us, that in all things we will rejoice and be glad. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna do something just a little different today. Our prayer tables have moved over here to, the, to the, your left. And what we wanna do is really, if you have prayer, if you have a concern, if you need to take something before God, we have people right over here that wants to pray with you. We, we, over here we're just too busy too much, too much traffic going through when we're really trying to pray so I would strongly encourage you that if you feel alone if you feel just by yourself and you need something to pray about whatever it is our prayer people don't judge they just pray and they invite God to be there with you so during the song as we sing if you need time to pray our people are right over here to pray with you